You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. We have David Valier this morning. He's um, just been a great friend of ours for so long, member in the church here. And before he comes, though, I want to do something. I want everybody... I just keep feeling like the Lord wants to reveal his love to us more and more. And um, anybody in here want more of that? All right, why don't you do this? Why don't you just, let's stand together. We're going to pray. Oh, thank you, Lord. I has not seen ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, those things God has prepared for them that love him. It says that in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it goes on and says, yet he has revealed those things unto us by his spirit. And so what we're doing, we're praying along with portion I read early in our early meeting at Psalm 119, and we're also praying um, one of the prayers Paul prayed, that God would open the eyes of our hearts to understand. And we're seeing that it's the imparted experiential height, depth, love, width, height, depth, width, love. It's a fourfold love in a three-dimensional world, so there's something beyond the norm. But when we pray, he will open up our hearts. So that's what we're doing. Just hold out your hands. Just get in like a receptive mode of some description. And, Father, we ask that you would open up our hearts, the eyes of our understanding that we might see, that we might see the love of God, that we might know something, Paul says, that's beyond knowledge. That profound heart you have for all of us and each of us. So, Father, flood us by a sense of your care and your love this morning. We open our hearts. And I, I hear the Lord saying, let me love you. Let me love you. So if there's a permission slip we need to grant, Lord, to you for some strange reason we don't understand, we grant that to you this morning. We give you full sway in revealing yourself to us, imparting yourself to us, causing us to know profoundly the love that's clearly identifiable in Christ Jesus who gave himself that we might know you profoundly. So, Father, we ask and we say thank you. We say thank you. We believe for another impartation, another season of mercy and favor, Lord. And I just pray against the doldrums. I know some of that I felt. Anybody in here felt some of that? Yes, and I feel like we've been in a corporate um, endurance race. But I believe that the presence of God is going to come in a profound way. I believe there's a new season coming. How many of you would like that? Yes, and I pray now for anybody that needs to be healed physically this morning. Why don't you just raise your hands? I want to pray that way too. Father, 
You said heal the sick. You told us to heal the sick. Well, Lord, you heal the sick and we'll heal the sick too. So we ask, Father, for an impartation this morning of divine deliverance from sickness and from disease. And we stand in direct opposition to every illness, cancer, confusion, ADD, all the initial delayed ideas, concepts, conditions. We say, in Jesus' name, your lease has been up. And we stand in direct opposition by faith to you, not in our own strength, but in the power of the name of Jesus, the Lord. And he says, through us, your lease is up. He says, through us, healing comes now. In Jesus' name. Oh, my, I felt that. Whoo, we receive it. Here's David. Hey, for those of you that are standing, um, if you want to, I'm going to invite you actually just to stand back up. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But as Robin was singing, the, um, praying this, I just want to sing something. Can we sing it together? And then uh, it'll kind of be the prayer to intro the uh, message. All right. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as we sing holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 we want to see you. Holy Spirit, we ask that we would see you as we look at your word, as we remember you. Lord, open our eyes to see your leadership. Open our eyes to see you, Jesus. We pray that you would be seen above anything spoken, above anything thought, anything communicated, that Jesus would be high and lifted up. So, Lord, we lean into this presence that's in this room right now. We lean into it and we say, do what you want to do in our hearts. We want to see you. We want to know you. We want to go back to the simplicity of loving you, the simplicity of following you, the simplicity of of falling in love with you. So Jesus, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Feels sweet in here, huh? Some nice sweetness. So, um, you know, as usual, I just want to say thank you for uh, allowing me to speak to you guys. Robin, thank you uh, just for everything, for Queen City Church, Robin and Donna. I haven't been able to be around. I've been um, here and there, uh, so I haven't been here the past several weeks, but it's just good to be home. 
You know that feeling of when you know you're home, this is home. And uh, just so, gr- so glad to be here. And for any of you that don't know me, my name is David Valier. I have uh, been in the Charlotte area for almost 20 years. Uh, was born and raised in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, Cajun, les le bon temps roule. If anyone speaks French in here, that means let the good times roll. I hope I said that right and represented it well. Um, but you, you speak French? Hey, there you go. Are you Cajun? Oh, I thought, you're Cajun? No way, I didn't know that. Dusty, we got to talk. So anyway, um, but it, it's just so glad. I'm just so glad to be here. I've been under Robin's teaching and and speaking and leadership for that entire time, really, just admiring Robin. And anyway, it's just so cool to see it all come full circle and, you know, just be here with you guys. So again, thank you for letting me speak. So I really love this topic of following Jesus, and here's why. I think this is one of those topics that you need to revisit like at least once a year. Uh, It's one of those core values in what we do that reminds us why we do what we do. Um, And just listening to the messages that we've been hearing over the past several weeks, I mean, Adam Russell's message ruined my life. I mean, like it just like it it destroyed me in, in ways that I can't even like really process still. Um, but man, I just have heard the past several messages as I've watched and, and been here and it's reminded me, man, this is why I'm in this. It's not for anything else. It's not for the accolades. It's not to be a part of a movement. It's not to be a part of this and that it's Jesus. It's the man, Jesus Christ. And when we look at him and say, this is why we follow him. This is who he is according to his word, not according to what he has been, you know, made to look like, you know, with American Western, you know, culture. No, it's according to his word. This is the man that I love and that I'm in this for, that I'm, I'm living every day for, that I'm raising my kids for. It's Jesus Christ himself. How many of you guys have felt that as we've, as we've been doing this? And man, this following Jesus has been so amazing. And I, I've loved hearing everyone's stories and, and just why they follow Jesus. And I wanted to give you a little bit of my own. Um, so I'm going to tell just a, a few stories real quick. And then I want to look at the leadership of Jesus. How many of you guys know Jesus is the perfect leader? There's no better leader. There will never be another uh, greater leader than Jesus. And he, and he shows us in his word how to lead and how he is truly the perfect leader. But before we get into that, I just want to kind of give a little uh, context of why I follow Jesus. And so real briefly, I just w- want to say, you guys know, I, I've said it almost every time I've spoken, grew up in Lafayette, Louisiana, Christian home, Assemblies of God, all that kind of stuff. You know, I've had good, bad, and ugly uh, experiences with the church. But my experiences with Jesus have always been amazing. And so Jesus uh, showed himself to me many times in my young age. And the foundation of that has always been through worship. Uh, I think I'm, you know, I, I'll just be honest. I was one of those kids. I was the artistic, like, uh, weird kid. You know, like, I just, I just loved all, all the things. Like, you know, music, Michael Jackson. If I wasn't trying to be Michael Jackson, I was trying to be the ultimate warrior from the WWF, now the WWE. Um, and so, like, I was, I was, you know, dancing. I was singing Beat It, Thriller. I was trying to do the, you know, the, the what's that, Smooth Criminal? I still try to figure that one out. Um, but I'm trying to do the lean, all that kind of stuff. And I remember that music used to get me going. You know, if it wasn't that, it was Zotico. If you know Zotico, Zotico is like some Cajun music. It's the best. But anyway... I remember when I started kind of discovering worship, it did something to me. 
the messages honestly bored me. I didn't know what they were talking about, you know, all the shouting and get right with God. I was like, what do you mean? I'm the kid, you know. Um, uh, I was like, what do you mean get right with God? Am I left? I don't understand. But anyway, I, I, um, I just, the worship music always moved me. And it could, and listen, the worship team at my church sucked. But I'll tell you what, I was moved. I, there was something in me. I felt peace. As a kid, I'd find myself crying as a, as, as, uh, you know, I, I, dancing around. I don't know if y'all see my little son, Johan. I feel like he's got the same thing going on. He followed, the music is going and he's like, you know, he's vibing with it and he feels it in the morning. Just this morning, I was leaving. You can ask my wife, 6.30 a.m. He's at the top of his lungs. Jesus, Jesus. You know, that's just him. He's got the same thing and he's waking us all up, you know, in the house. And, but there was something that moved me even from a really young, young age. Fast forward a little bit into my teenage years. There was points where I would spend three to five hours a day, you know, in, in these rooms by myself, just dancing, singing, crying at the top of my lungs, losing my voice, just ministering to the Lord. And I had no context for that. I didn't know what I was doing. I was singing songs. I was, I'm telling you, like just ridiculous. I was so in love with the Lord, but I had no language for it, but I knew who Jesus was. And that's not any kind of way that's saying, oh, David, the spiritual. No, I just knew Jesus is real and he deserves this. And I feel like I'm supposed to do it. I'm born to do it. And this is who I am. And so I just gave myself away because I just, there was something like innately in me that said he deserves this. And, and it, it, it changed me. It rooted me. And honestly, I've been chasing that for my entire adult life. And I still am. I'm chasing that to not get back to that, but go beyond it. I'm not concerned about the three to five hours, but what I'm wanting is just like, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give my heart to you. What does that look like as a 35-year-old man with kids and the job and all this kind of stuff and traveling? What does that look like? And it's this following him and, and getting to know him and pursuing him and always saying, Lord, I want to give you what I have, whatever it looks like. And because I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Does that make sense? Have any of you ever felt that kind of thing? Like I was born to love the Lord. And if you haven't felt it, I want to fill you in. You were born to love the Lord. You were born to worship him. You were born to give yourself away to him. Now that looks different for everyone. We all have our unique expressions. I know there's painters in here and people like John Hussey who does all the things. He paints, he builds, he drums, he, you know, Heck, he can, he can do electrical work. I mean, the guy, I'm trying to get you some jobs, John, but the guy can do anything. But that's worship unto the Lord, you know? And, uh, and, and it's like in all those things, we can do that and draw closer to him. And it's this following that is just like, it calls us. It's a, it's truly that deep unto deep. And so I experienced that from a young age. And, um, I want to give a couple of more specific stories of, uh, encountering Jesus at a, at a young age. Now, I do want to say this, um, some of these might sound like, did this really happen? And I want, I want to give like a, a little bit of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever. I don't know what the word is. But I, I, I was literally struggling as I was preparing for this to share this because I started to have doubt um, that, that this stuff really happened to me. And it's like Jesus came and slapped me in the face and said, this happened. This was me. And so I just want to say, I don't really, I'm not too concerned if you're like, that didn't happen. It happened for me. And this is how Jesus showed himself to me. But I want you to see that even that I didn't have context, I wasn't even taught that Jesus could respond to me in this way at a young age. He did. And so I just want to show you some of these things that really showed me, man, Jesus is with me. So um, the first story is um, 
my dad uh, and my mom and my sister and I went to the Baton Rouge Zoo. Baton Rouge is the capital of Louisiana. And uh, we are out there, and it's a Louisiana zoo, so it is a dump, and it's not that great. And, uh, you know, the weather's terrible, and, like, I'm just saying, Louisiana's great, but they don't do those kinds of things well. Um, it, you know, it's just put some alligators out there and chase some crawfish around. So um, so we're, we're, we're there, and somehow we get separated. My dad is somewhere. My mom, my sister, and I are elsewhere in the zoo looking at whatever. And we hear over the intercom, uh, Bridget Valier, please come to the front desk. And so my mom's like, oh, okay, well, let's go. So we get there, and I I must be seven or eight at the time, super young. uh, And we get there, and my dad is uh, literally gasping for breath. Like, (gasps) he's got asthma, like, very badly. And he's gasping for breath. He can't breathe. I mean, he's turning blue. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's bad. You know, and so the ER... Are the, the um, what do you call them? The medical people, whatever, are, are saying, hey, we need to do something right now. So my mom, and if you know my mom, she's not the best in those situations, all right? So it's like, ah. So anyway, um, she's like freaking out. And so um, there is this black gentleman in the corner, and my mom just looks at him and says, can you watch my kids? And the guy's like, sure. And so we, we're there. So anyway, over in, in this side of the room, my dad is struggling to breathe. He's gasping for breath, gasping for breath. They're saying we're going to have to put a trach in his, in, his, in his neck. And so they're preparing all that kind of stuff, and they're like, they're getting my mom to sign the form. And as my mom's trying to start sign the form, my dad literally, with all that he could, and this is not my dad. He's not a very charismatic person. He's a really nice person, but he's not, like, charismatic and all that. He, with every little ounce of breath that he could, starts saying, Jesus and then he says again, Jesus. And then finally does Jesus. And boom, he's back. He's, it's gone. It's gone. And he said the name of Jesus. I mean, I got goosebumps just saying that. And I, as I was thinking of that story, I tried to, to talk myself out of it and say, oh, well, maybe he was having a panic attack or whatever. But I believe that Jesus met my dad there by saying his name. And that breath came back into his lungs. And that was a core memory for me. Now, here's the really bizarre part. You guys ready? I was... I was uh, conflicted if I should tell this story, but it's, again, the Lord is pushing me on this one. So it all happens. We're all traumatized. <laughs> Need to process that one. And um, I, I, uh, my, I'm sitting over there with my, my sister, and um, this black gentleman is like, he's gone, right? So my mom comes back, and she says to the lady, she says to the nurse, um, thank you so much for watching him. She's like, hey, where did that black gentleman go? And the lady's like, I've been here the whole time. He was never here. There, there, was no, there was no man. And you can believe what you want. Even when I think about that, I'm like, wait a second. What happened there? Like, did he disappear? Like, was he a magician? You know, whatever. Uh, did he work at the zoo? Was this a part of his gig? You know? Um, but, but I believe, I'm just being honest, that was someone sent from the Lord to watch us in that moment. And I believe that Jesus does these kinds of things. And, and he's, he's ready to break us out of that box. Like, listen, I, I, I can be a, a critic and all that too, but I believe that Jesus was showing himself to us and me at a young age and saying, I'm with you. And I never want to get so cynical that I can't believe that he can do that. And it, anyway, just, so as I've been, as I've been preparing for this, I'm, I'm reliving these moments and I'm like, Jesus, you were giving me the invitation to follow you at a young age without any, even saying anything to me, any kind of language. You were just saying, find me in these little moments. I'm going to, even in your childhood, I'm going to make myself evident to you to where you can follow me. 
and know me and love me and see that I am with you even when you're not looking for it. That's amazing. If that doesn't make you just want to scream, I don't know. Makes me want to scream. Okay, one more story. And uh, this is another uh, traumatic thing that I probably need to process. So how many of you guys remember Hurricane Andrew? Okay, this is going to show your age. Okay, Hurricane Andrew, right? So Louisiana, Hurricane Andrew's coming. For some reason, I don't know why churches do this, but for some reason we had this thing where it's like, a hurricane's coming. Come to the glass-stained church. <laughs> you know, it's like all the walls are glass. You're safe here. Like, you know, so I don't know why, but it was like, okay, everyone rally to the church. We'll be safe there. God's with us. It doesn't make a whole lot of like real sense, but let's go. So anyway, for some reason, again, I love my mom so much, but when she gets in these moments, she's like, ah, and so we're like panicking. We're, we're leaving at the time. Again, Louisiana doesn't do great things uh, when it comes to like building stuff. Um, so for some reason, our apartment had a steel door. I'm talking about steel. Like I remember, cause I remember what it felt like. You'll see in a second. So as I'm leaving, we're all rushing out of the house. We're getting our stuff, you know, getting my, my toy wrestlers or whatever. And for some reason I'm reaching back into, um, the, the apartment, these two fingers right here, reaching back into the apartment to grab some. And my mom goes, Poof! and I'm like, you know, and so again, we're not thinking straight in these moments. You could just unlock the door, open it. And no, she pulls them out. <laughs> and so I'm like, ah, oh! you know, whatever. And so I'm not kidding. And I asked my mom to verify this guy. I didn't want to exaggerate. So I, I called her and said, Hey, can I process some of these stories with you? Whatever. And she was like, David, your fingers were as flat as pancakes and they were black and blue. And so, um, you know, again, logic says go to the church, not the ER, you know. Um, and so uh, we go to the church. And um, but here's the thing. We had a pastor at the time. His name was Robert King. Uh, he grew up like with A.A. Allen. I think I might be saying the names wrong, but like these like healing revivalists that were that we've all read about or some of us have read about. And he was like with him. So he was an old school healing revivalist. Back in the 90s, that man was ancient, uh, you know, and, and, and he didn't die till like the two, mid 2000s. So I don't even know how, he might have been 80 then. I don't know. But, um, he, he was, he was an older gentleman, always wore a suit. Like if we had like a church work day, that man was in a suit. And, um, and so anyway, we go there and I'm screaming in pain. I'm hurting. And my mom immediately, Brings me into the church, you know, for our, um, you know, ultimate demise in a, in a glass building hurricane and brings me to Pastor King and says, Pastor King, his fingers, the man does not hesitate. He grabs my fingers and not softly grabs them, squeezes them. And he just starts. And this is what I love. Just think about it makes me, ugh. but he immediately, he didn't do this like evangelistic thing that we see now where they're like, okay, in the count of three, I'm going to pray and we're going to see, and then I'm going to interview this guy. And then we're going to, then, then you're, I'm going to tell you where my Facebook page is and you're going to like it. Then we're going to make a documentary about this healing. No, what he did, he grabbed my fingers and immediately just said, Jesus, you're the healer, blah, blah, blah. And just start going, start going in and just start. And he was crying immediately. Just like, Jesus, I know you can heal him, blah, blah. I'm not kidding you. My fingers were immediately healed. A lot of people saw it. This was a thing that happened. And it, again, there, I had no context for this. I didn't know that Jesus did these things. Jesus healed this little kid's fingers because of a very anxiety-filled family that went to a really, really crazy, uh, like, solution of a hurricane. <laughs> and, and we, we, we're going there in panic. And this man, full of faith, 
grabs my hands and Jesus meets me and I'll never forget that. My fingers healed immediately. No explanation. I'm playing and you know, that's, that's the Jesus we know. That's the Jesus we follow. And listen, I'm, what I, I, I want to be real clear here is I'm not saying that experiences should be the thing that we base everything off of. But what I am saying is that Jesus was kind enough to show himself to me at a young age and said, you can have this for the rest of your life. And also, this is the beautiful thing. It was always a choice. It was always a choice. It was always an invitation. It was always saying, I could, I, I want to lead you. And here are little crumbs to, to show you where I am. But it, it was always a choice. It was never pushed on. Jesus never forces himself on you. And that's what I love about him. That's why I follow Jesus. That's a, a, one of a gazillion reasons. But these, the, one of the main reasons is that he pursued me at a young age when I didn't even ask for it. And that's just so beautiful to me. And, and I, I also want to say this is that what has sustained me and kept me going is that his leadership has been perfect in my life. And his leadership has been, has been nurturing and kind and also at the same time firm and sure. And it's all the things that I've needed all at the right times. And I've seen it through his word, through the Holy Spirit, that his leadership is truly perfect. And I want to look at that real quick. So we're going to jump into a few scriptures. Um, as, I, as I said, Jesus' leadership has always been an invitation for the willing. Uh, we, we, when we follow Jesus, we can attain things that we could never on our own. Um, Jesus leads by grace and not by force. Uh, now, I think a lot of times we see, uh, especially in Western culture, and maybe beyond that, a lot of leadership within the church says, do this or else. And maybe they don't say that, but it's kind of implied. Luckily, that is not QCC. Thank you very much. Let's give Robin a round of applause for that one. But a lot of times there is this leadership style that says, okay, listen, you're either this, I grew up that way, or you're not, and you got to fix it, you know, and uh, th- I think there's definitely some space somewhere where, yes, we got to live according to the word, but a lot of times we're not looking for clones, we're looking for disciples. We're looking for people with adoration, not obligation, you know, uh, gosh, I am going Pentecost, I'm rhyming all over the place, woo, my pastor will be proud of me, Pastor King. You hear that? Your influence helped. So anyway, he leads by grace. He leads through an invitation. So he says, come and, and, and let me show you. Uh, let, let me lead you. Let me, let me show you how good I am. Let me show you how loving I am. Let me show you how, how true and, and caring I am and perfect for what you need by saying yes to me. That's the thing every day. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Yes, I, you have you have my attention. Yes, I want your leadership in my life. And it's just it's it's beautiful when we actually lean into that. And I want to look at Matthew eleven twenty seven. Uh, the message it says this: Jesus says, "The Father has given me all these things to do, and say." This is a unique father son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. Walk with me, and work with me. You could pause right there. I love that. Walk with me and work with me. He's inviting us into that. Walk with me and also like do the stuff with me. But we'll get into that in a minute. But I just, I love that. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. He's saying, 
I won't, I'm not going to force you into anything. He's not going to, he's not going to make us do anything. He says, just learn from me, walk with me in this, in this unforced rhythms of grace. So in other words, I, I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that we can do whatever we want when we want, but what he's saying is this whole thing is an invite to do life together with him. Leadership with Jesus is, is not this like, Hey, listen, I'm going to go a few steps ahead. Repeat. No, he's saying, let's figure this out together. It's also that scripture, like working out our salvation. Salvation's not this thing where we all of a sudden just like click, we're good. No, like if that was great, we'd all be perfect. We'd be flying around this room, shooting lightning bolts out of our hands. No, that's not what we're doing. We're working out our salvation because we're working alongside him and with him. And it's just, when we start thinking like that, man, what a style of leadership. How often do you see that kind of leadership? It's usually do as I do, but he's saying, do it with me and let's learn. A lot of times we, we hear these, these things like, man, I'm not hearing from the Lord. Maybe it's that the Lord is, is alongside with you that whole time. And he's waiting for you to find him. He's waiting for you to, to, to seek him out and, and find him in those situations. Because if he just told us everything all the time for every little thing, we never learn. We have to grow in our understanding of following the perfect leader, Jesus Christ. I want to read uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, you know, that's self-explanatory. As we follow Jesus, he doesn't put this, like, crazy, like, okay, carry this. You, I'm going to give you more than you can ever even handle. Like Jesus is saying, I know I, I want to walk with you. I'm going to, I'll lift that burden sometimes. I'll, I'll, I'll carry that, that cross for you. I will, I will help you through this situation. I'll help you through that pain. I'll help you process all these feelings and emotions that you're having because that is the type of leader he is because he wants to do it alongside us and with us. When we're looking at the leadership of Jesus, Jesus, the son of God, submits to God, the father's leadership in all things. You can find this in John 5, 19. It said, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. And so I, I, I think Jesus kind of set up a whole example here of he's saying, okay, listen, I look at the father. I do nothing without seeing what the father is doing. And so he actually lays that out because we can do the same with him. You know, you can ask the Lord every day. And if you don't do this, I encourage you to do it. Lord, what are you doing today? That's a great question to ask. Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing with me? What are you doing in the world? What are you doing with my family? What are you doing with that guy I don't like? Like, you know, like I just want a little insight. Am I doing better than him? No, I'm just kidding. Don't talk like that. But, but, uh, you know, but ask, ask the Lord, just like, Lord, what are you doing today? And when we start living like that, we, we can start, and, and I say this because I think too often we, we put out these big blanket statements and says, okay, well, look at Jesus and do exactly what he's doing. We're human people. We will make mistakes. We will be flawed. We see through, you know, a glass darkly, all that kind of stuff. But we can attempt to find him and to find the rhythms of grace on his heart. We can find that heartbeat and be like, Lord, what is on your heart? I want to do what you're doing. I want to do as I see you doing in heaven. I want to do what's on your heart as I communicate, as I walk, as I talk, because that is what you did with the Father. You modeled it so perfectly that we can do the same with you. And 
The extra bonus is through the power of the Holy Spirit who helps us and leads us and guides us in this whole process. And so he sets it up perfectly that we can follow his leadership by asking him and observing what he's doing. Jesus also was a transparent leader and allowed his disciples to ask questions. Ask Jesus questions. Ask him little things. What do you think of this? Uh, you know, I've heard some people say like, Hey, what should I wear today? That's on you. I'm afraid that he, you know, he might not have the taste I I like. So, uh, I leave that to myself, but little things, you know, you can ask Jesus, invite him into those spaces. And, and he, he, he wants that. He, he was never afraid of questions. I mean, let's look at an example, John 20 doubting Thomas. Thomas had questions. Is that really you, Jesus? Did Jesus scoff at him? And he was like, (laughs) Thomas, what, you know, no, what did he do? He, he said, take that finger, put it in my side or hands or whatever. I can't remember. Forgive me. I don't remember which one it is, but he said he, he had, he had Jesus. I mean, he had Thomas feel and say, it's okay. You can, you can doubt. You can, you can have worries. You can have fears. Come to me with those. It does not intimidate me. It does not make me question you or question your devotion, but he says, draw near to me with those questions, draw me, draw near to me with, with those concerns and he will answer you. And so Jesus was never one to say no questions asked here. He's saying, actually bring them to me, bring me your, bring me your deepest, deepest self. And he will give you the answer that you're looking for. So I want to encourage you, ask Jesus questions. His leadership is not one of fear and intimidation, but it's one of you can approach him however you are. And he's there to say, here's, here's where you can go. Here's how you can do it. And here's how you draw closer to me. And that's always the answer. If you mess up or you're living a perfect life, pursue him and ask him. Jesus was a servant leader. In Mark 10, 45, it says, even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I, re- I want to read uh, John 13, 4, 5. <clears throat> Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I, uh, I, I think of that often. And to me, you know, that visual of Jesus washing feet the leader of leaders, the king of kings, the man who gave his life for us, the one who did not have to do this, but he, he came down willingly as fully God and fully man. Do you understand that? As fully God and fully, fully man, he could have been like, nah, I'm good. But he, he said, yes, I want to do this. And so same thing as when he was washing the feet. And I was actually reading a commentary that they believe that he didn't wash their feet as a, as a symbol. He washed their feet because their feet were dirty. If you know the disciples, they were scoundrels. They weren't like these clean, like holy among, you know, men kind of people. They were dirty fishermen. They were, they were walking on those streets and they had these dirty feet. And Jesus probably just looked one day because if he was a perfect leader, he's probably also really practical. And he's like, man, you guys got some dirty feet. And so he's like, I want to wash these feet. And so Jesus humbles himself to a lowly place, fills up the water basin, gets down and washes these guys feet. 
That is servant leadership. That is leadership that, man, if we functioned on that level, can you imagine the health of churches and businesses? I'm not saying we got to wash people's feet. Don't touch my feet. You know, I've had people offer. I'm like, no, do not wash my feet. Like, just, I, lo- I, I love the gesture, but moving on. Um, I'm just saying. But can you imagine if we, if we got into this low place and said, I want to love people so well that I'm willing to get into the dirt with them and live in this place and, 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 and say, how can I help you? How can I serve you? Jesus was the ultimate model of that because he didn't have to do that. He was the son of God, the savior of the world. But he decided to go low and wash his disciples' feet simply because they were dirty. I don't know why that's such a huge revelation to me, but it just blows my mind because he cares about the little things and he wants to serve you in that place. He wants to show you his love for you. If you're, if you're hurting or you feel little moments of, of despair and you feel like you're alone, Jesus wants to be there with you and go low with you and say, I'm here. I want to walk with you. I want to, I want to, I want to wash your feet. And I, I think that, that, visual in that representation of servant leadership just shows that he is so good and he truly is a perfect leader. Jesus restores. Now, mind you, I've got like a gazillion things that we could talk about the leadership of Jesus, but I just want to talk about some main things. But, you know, I think restoration is such a, um, a difficult thing in the, in, in the church that is, is, you know, in pro, like processing that, like I'm, I'm watching this documentary last night and just, just seeing the man, the, the need for healthy restoration within the church is so, I mean, gosh, we need it. We need to learn, yes, how to correct, but also to love people through their process, to honor them. And Jesus did it so well. He restored people so well. He gave us examples of how to do this so well. And I want I want to read uh, one of, I think, the greatest examples of restoration in the scriptures. Um, it's Mark 5, 25 through 34. And, and bear with me because it's a little bit to read. But And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touched his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceiving himself, that power had gone out from him immediately and turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And if you study this, people with this issue, I mean, they were like the lowest of low. They were not allowed anywhere. They had like the you know, just think of who you could think of that just would never be allowed into your, your house or your community or your buildings. This was that person. And this, this person pushes through the crowd and simply has enough faith to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. And Jesus restores her in an instant. This is his heart for people. 
There are no people that are too far gone or have done too much. Jesus is willing to restore. He is, he, in his leadership, he says, come to me, come to me, however you are, and I will restore you and I will make you new over and over and over again. And that's the beauty of who he is. And so when I, when I look at this, I see that in, in this perfect leadership of Jesus, he's actually quite counterculture of what we think is normal because we often say one strike, you're done, especially for certain things. We're like, you're out, which I get. But many times Jesus is actually saying, come back to me. Yes, you have to repent. Yes, you need to turn from your wicked ways. Yes, you need to give your heart to me and have a renewed mind and all that stuff. But in his perfect leadership, he's saying, I can restore all things. And I just want to say that no matter what you have done in your life, no matter what you have gone through, he is ready to restore your life. He is ready to restore every part of you. If there's things years past or maybe something here in the present, he wants to restore you with his love, with his power, with his, his fullness. And we can experience that every day by just saying, Lord, I will follow you. Your leadership is perfect. And if some of you are ever wondering like, hey, what's a good prayer I could pray? What's a good thing I could, I could do? Literally just say, Jesus, teach me how to, teach me how to follow your leadership. Jesus, your leadership is perfect. I want to know you. Show me your perfect leadership. Because here's the thing, guys. All these movements and speakers and things, they're all going to fade away one day. Who's going to remain? Jesus. Whose leadership will stay steady? Jesus. We got to stop pointing people to people and point them to Jesus and start saying, this is who you follow. The leadership that you're looking for is in the scriptures through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to be frank. That documentary on Hillsong I'm watching last night, I'm like, man, we need to, we need to point to Jesus. We don't need to point to all these other people because all these people are like, I'm so hurt. You know, they were supposed to be my leader. Jesus is your leader. I get that. I'm not, I'm not, I really want to be clear. I'm not dishonoring what they went through, but I'm saying, as, as people that are sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, we have to point to the perfect leadership of Jesus, raising an entire generation. I don't, I don't want my kids to be following a pastor. I want them to be following Jesus. And when we point them to the leadership of Jesus, they can stay steady. We can stay steady. Those that are looking for a, a leadership in their life can remain steady because we point them to the word of God and they're empowered to move forward in wholeness and fullness and in love, which Jesus carries in the most perfect way possible. There's no better way. I love the books. I love all this stuff, but it's in the word. It's in the scripture. So I just want to end with this. Andrew and uh, Hannah, can you guys come up? But, you know, again, Jesus met and led people where they were at. His leadership is always perfect. He will lead us to goodness every time if we continue to say yes to his leadership. And one last scripture that I just kept popping in my head as I was preparing was Psalms 27, 13, 14. It says, I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And when I read that first part, I would have fainted unless I believed. I mean, can, can, you, can we just all say that I would have fainted 
unless I believed. In other words, would have dropped dead. I'd be done unless I believed, unless I decided to say yes and follow you, Jesus. Every day, I would faint unless I believed. And I truly believe that, that if Jesus does not remain the focus of my life, I'm done for. And, and you can call that, you know, extreme or whatever, but that's just kind of where I am. If we really believe what we believe, if we really believe what we read and believe what we've given our life to, we would faint unless we believe. And so I want to pray that we would decide every day to say yes to Jesus and his leadership. So can we stand up real quick? So Jesus, we, we thank you for your leadership. We thank you that you give us examples throughout the word of your perfect leadership. We thank you that even when we are young, you pursue us. Lord, I thank you that there are many, Lord, outside of these four walls that haven't met you, the real you yet, but yet you're leaving breadcrumbs to just show them who you are. You're, you're giving little examples and little whispers of, 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 your love for them in unique ways. And, and Lord, it's, it's all because you are the perfect leader. You know what people need. Some people need these dramatic things to happen to them. Other people need these subtle things. But Lord, you know, because your leadership is perfect. And Lord, we wanna, we wanna position our hearts and our minds and our spirits to say yes to you every day. It's yes to your leadership, yes to your nature. And so Lord, we ask that you would give us the ability to follow you even more, that you give us an awareness of your presence. You give us awareness of your heartbeat. We, we are not going to do it perfectly, Lord, but what we do want to do is follow you to the best of our ability. Follow the leader. So, Lord, we love you, and we just we ask that we would we would have the ability to say yes to you every day and to follow your leadership. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.